So here's the one thing that I don't understand about myself is that I collect a lot of amiibo figures and I I feel happy in the moment that I buy them and I even track down like all of my amiibos and I see which ones are of the highest value or the lowest value and I like to see you know I, I just like to see the value of all of my amiibos and I know it's it's not it's just for like aesthetic purposes and you know I try to convince myself early on like oh they'll be for smash bros I'll use them <laughs> I'll train them I'll train them to be whatever but I I never do I only do it for like the one the one characters that I really like like Robin or Corin but I never I up to a point it's just about collecting and I find that to be kind of the most irrational thing about myself because I and I take them out of the box too they're not even they they lower in value actually because you take them out of the box so it's just like why do I do this to myself like I I know that the cost value back is is probably not worth it or maybe it will be in the future I, I don't know but it just feels it just feels irrational to me but then I had a friend of mine that that also collects like other stuff like Funko Pops or whatever, right? And he says that, he says to me, Mike, you know, you should have collection. People should have collections. Like, they should be a little bit irrational about whatever, whether it be collecting stamps (laughs) or (laughs) Funko Pops or figurines. And for you, it could be Amiibles, and that's totally okay. And <laughs> I didn't like that answer at first, but I've gotten okay with it, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I still get really giddy whenever I uh, whenever I buy an Amiibo, though. I just I just really like it, especially if it looks really detailed and really nice. Um, yeah, I mean, isn't this the most interesting content, me just talking about amiibos i'm just a big nintendo nerd at heart i feel and i feel like it was really awakened in me when i went to college when i would play a lot of smash bros with my roommates at the time and continually like for the next couple of years until the the super smash bros for the switch super smash ultimate until that came out because before then i i i played around with the wii u version and i fucked around with like brawl and all that stuff um and i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed my time with those however now it just it just doesn't feel at least for smash bros it doesn't it doesn't feel like something's changed right like it used to be really exciting before especially i think um like when i was getting into it during the wii u era but since Ultimate has came out, I feel like there is a lot of like, there's a lot more, it's not, there's a lot more controversy going on, I feel. Um, especially, I don't want to name a lot of controversies because I don't want this to be kind of depressing. But, you know, the whole thing with Etika, uh, that was really unfortunate. Um, and that's not even related to Smash Bros. But I feel like he was still part of that community. And 
you know, it was really upsetting kind of seeing him spiral down. And I, I don't know. I just kind of, I had wished the best. I had hoped for the best, but it, it sucks. It just really sucks. And then there's that whole thing with someone trying to raise money for charity in his name with the joy cons. I don't, it was pretty recently, and then Nintendo said, no, you can't do that, and they took that down, which is like, come on, bro. They got, I, I understand they got to protect their IP, but it just feels a little bit, it just feels a little wrong, especially for somebody who, it's it's in the name, it's in the tribute of somebody who has passed because they loved your game so much. I don't know, that feels kind of weird. And then also... <laughs> this is how disconnected I am because I I don't really know the the deeper story and I feel like a lot of people will I'm not really educated on this but there's like a a whole thing with pedophilia with with it just sounds wrong just saying it like players like being accused of like pedophilia or even like underage dating um if if you if you know then you know but I don't want to name names you you can probably just look it up for yourself but i'm kind of glad i got out of this smash bros kind of mentality when ultimate came i honestly kind of got out because i sucked so bad at ultimate (laughs) i i was actually i was pretty decent in wii u because you know at a certain point they don't really uh buff or nerf certain characters to a point and you kind of get in this groove like the meta is kind of stagnating but with ultimate it's it's a it's a frenzy everything's changing all the time and it's just really fast almost like almost melee fast not not exactly melee fast um i can't even get my foot in the door with that game that is just you need to have had like nostalgia almost to kind of enter that so you know no melee <laughs> and then and then with the controversy with Nintendo just always coming back to Nintendo and controversy and I wish they were a better company too but the whole thing with free melee as well it just seems it seems kind of odd like you know this is a game that hasn't been out it's on the gamecube for so long and there are people trying to make contests for it online the people are trying to play it tournament wise online but how do you do that with a gamecube game you have to emulate it with uh they had to do this emulator and nintendo kind of shut it down because no you're pirating games and it's just who who are you protecting there you know it just seems kind of asinine to me i think it's not really i don't think it's nintendo of america calling the shots i think it's really like um the the elder the elder executives in nintendo japan probably that that's how that's how i guesstimate if i had to guess (laughs) this is such a negative podcast man i i just want to talk about good things okay what i do like what i do like about nintendo what what games have i been playing um, I've been playing a lot of Hades. That's a really good game. 
uh, I recently watched that documentary on, uh, it was just like the last video of like Hades being released and it was, uh, it was something. It was definitely something. I, it's by the same people who made Bastion and, uh, I think Pyre and some other games too. And they've been like, um, a game studio for, it's super giant games. They've been a big company for 10 years or not a big company. They made indie games for 10 years and this was their biggest break in terms of like video game exposure. Like this game received like nines and tens across the board. And as it should, there is a lot of content in this game. It seems like there isn't because, okay, if you don't know what Hades is, first of all, I highly, highly recommend you play it because I've clocked like, I want to say I clocked like 60 or 70 hours so far and I'm still finding new content in terms of dialogue, but it is really nice. Um, they really, they really nailed down the, uh, what's it, the Greek mythology sort of theming that they got going on with Hades and uh, all these other like gods, uh, Poseidon, Zeus, and really having the lore of the story really be told as you're trying to escape hell because you are the son of Hades and you're trying to escape hell. And it's just really, really interesting. I didn't think it'd be so interesting because the gameplay is essentially, it's a roguelike, which is which means just every time you die, you have to restart the level, but you do gain perks, which help you uh, on your next run. And it's kind of that nice gameplay loop. And they managed to incorporate that within the game where it's actually a story element. Every time you die, you actually get revived in the House of Hades, um, which is pretty, which is pretty good, pretty smart, honestly. And yeah, my God, there's so much. Con- it you think you think you'd get it through it? I, I'm not even taking my time with the game. Well, I sort of am, but even if I try to like accomplish as much as I can, you just will not. I've opened up like the there'll be a lot of like diamonds and uh like uh these power-ups like nectar bottles or these things called darkness that you'll collect and like once you'll like upgrade a certain amount of stuff then you'll even like get some more stuff out of it like it'll unlock even more stuff and even more stuff um it's a really nice sense of progression it's also like a pseudo dating simulator in a sense but there's like three romantic options, but you can also kind of befriend like a lot of the Olympian gods and goddesses, which is also really cool. And I just really like that game. I I've I got burnt out from it really quickly, like not really quickly, like around the 50 hour mark, I got burnt out. But then I saw some gameplay from other people that made me really want to get back into it and really want to make me keep going because there's a lot more story to uncover. Even when you get out the first time, that's only the beginning of the game, honestly. Because I think the first time I defeated quote-unquote Hades, I think it was like, uh, I want to say it was like 15 or 20 hours in. And when I found out that there was more to be done, I was like, heck yeah. For like a $25 game, it is so worth every single dollar you put in. So, highly recommend that game. Uh... Another game that I've been really playing is Darkest Dungeon, which 
I think came out a long time ago, but I'm really enjoying it. It's like a, if I had to say what it was, it's kind of like a very, it's a darker tone on like RPGs where like on top of keeping track of your party's health, you also have to keep track of their stress levels because like let's say they have a level of 200 stress and if they get like even halfway stressed like they'll get stressed when they're like when when they're fighting enemies or when they get attacked like really hard or they don't have a lot of health left or they're like on the brink of death their stress goes up and if you get them too stressed out they'll start having these little quirks that can harm your run even more. So like in the middle of it, one of your healers can be selfish all of a sudden and start doing things on their own terms. Like they won't even like let you use their turn. Like they will like pass their turn or they'll like heal themselves when you're supposed to like have them heal other people. It's crazy. I think it's a really interesting way of having the human aspect of like dungeon crawling and it's really cool and it also helps <laughs> it also helps that it's very lovecraftian where they even have like eldritch monsters within the game as well so it just feels kind of right up my alley cuz i'm really into i'm i'm kind of, i'm kind of in like a a kick of horror slash psychological right now where I'm into like, like I'm into Junji Ito and I'm also, I've also just uh, finished serial experiments slaying the anime, which is, that's a trip. Um, but I don't want to get too sidetracked. Uh, we're here to talk about, we're here to talk about games. We're here to talk about darkest dungeon. And I think it's a very good game. If you're trying to look for something a little bit more challenging, and a little bit darker than like JRPGs or something. Cause I, I used to play, I used to play Fire Emblem uh, Awakening, uh, which is fine. Um, you have the aspect of like uh, troops that fall away too. Oh, also, Darkest Dungeon has this aggressive autosave feature where if your party member dies, that's it. You cannot like save scum, which is like reloading your save to save that party member or like if you do they try their best to like get you to the point where it's right after that which makes it a lot more interesting because it really forces you to live with your choices and to push through so it's like ah do i keep going do i keep going to this next room or should i retreat back and kind of suffer the stress of not completing a quest so that i can heal up my party members there's a lot of strategy going on it's 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 very difficult to get into at first because it's very overwhelming and there's a lot of like UI you need to get used to. And I think, and there's a lot of like clunkiness with the controls uh, when you're going through like menus and stuff. I think that's intentional to really get you a little bit more uncomfortable and kind of more used to the style of the gameplay that they're going for. Um, I don't think it's a game for everybody. <laughs> like, I don't think you can just go from Fire Emblem Three Houses to this game and just call it a day. I think it's something that if you watch a trailer and you're remotely interested in, you should pick it up. 
that's all I say on the matter. But going back to Fire Emblem, man, I <laughs> I tried playing what's it? Fire Emblem. Oh, what was it? The one with Corrin. Fire Emblem of Fates. But what was it? The uh the dark version of it? Fire Emblem Conquest. Conquest is uh I think objectively harder than Fates because you're playing on the bad side versus the good side. And it it's, I don't know. <laughs> you know, going from Darkest Dungeon to that just feels a little bit, eh. I, I still like it. I still like the Fire Emblem series in general. And I still need to get back into Three Houses too because when I heard like Three Houses was like, it was going to take like 120 hours to get through that game. I was, I was kind of a little bit, I was 30 hours in and I was kind of like, eh. I don't know, but I'm like 70 hours in the Hades. So what the fuck do I know? <laughs> like, why am I wasting my time? Why am I not wasting my time actually playing this, you know? So that's, that's the games that I got. Um, another RPG that I'm kind of reminded of is Bravely Default, which, which that one is, is pretty good too, because if you don't know Bravely Default, it's kind of very... I think it's supposed to be like a spiritual successor or predecessor. I don't know which is the right word of Final Fantasy where you, the twist with this one is that you can store attacks, um, which is I think called default where you can kind of guard. And then on your next turn, you can attack twice or you can default uh, for like, four consecutive turns and then on your fifth turn you can attack four times so it's really interesting the strategy there and there's a lot of classes in there and i remember playing the first game all the way through i sort of don't remember a lot of the story but i remember it being a really good time and being really addictive i tried playing bravely second and i kind of got a little bit bored of it because it was kind of more or less a little bit of the same thing i didn't really get very far but it was more or less the same thing and so i'm trying to figure out uh i haven't even played a demo for bravery uh for bravely default 2 and i'm trying to figure out if that's going to be any more interesting or if it's going to be more or less the same thing i hear that it's supposed to be a sequel to like a direct sequel to bravely default you think bravely second would be the sequel no 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 that is a side story related to the main story which is very confusing when you have two games that are almost essentially pseudonyms of each other bravely second and bravely default two um square enix what the fuck are you <laughs> what the fuck are you on right now but i might just wait for the reviews for bravely default two and just hope that it's good, maybe. I don't know. I think I might be wrapping up here soon. I I, I want to talk about more games for sure because I, I feel like I really like talking about games. Uh, I haven't even got to like Earthbound or Legend of Zelda or anything like that, but uh, I'll probably get to those when I get to the. I'm just, I'm a really big Nintendo nerd. And I used to play a lot of stuff like with Xbox uh, and PS uh, back in the day, but I think I'm a avid Nintendo nerd at heart. So I'll probably get some more talking about those uh, down the line. But yeah, I think that's it. I think I'm going to go. Bye.